folks, welcome back to the Preacher's Devo podcast. I am your host, Daniel Messina. The Preacher's Devo podcast is designed for those seeking some devotional thought on certain biblical truths and doctrines of the faith. Throughout the podcast, I offer an analysis of the content found in the Heidelberg Catechism. I have picked the Heidelberg Catechism for its easy-to-follow structure of 52 Lord's Days. Today we continue on our journey through the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, as they are known, are divided in two main tables. The first table of the law, as it is called, speaks of our relationship with God, and the second table of the law speaks of our relationship with our neighbors. When Jesus was approached by the leaders of his day, he answered it in this manner. What is the greatest commandment, he was asked, and the greatest commandment is that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one was like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The first table of the law includes commandments 1 through 4, and the second table of the law, commandments 5 through 10. Today we find ourselves in episode number 43 and in Lord's Day number 43. Lord's Day number 43 will speak of the ninth commandment. And a simple basic question is asked. What is required in the ninth commandment? This question was also asked of a few of the other commandments. As a matter of fact, most of them. So we will explore the answer given by the Heidelberg Catechism. As we gather a few meditation thoughts on what it means and what it does for us. The ninth commandment is simple. It says, You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. The answer provided by the Heidelberg Catechism is as follows, that I bear false witness against no one, twist no one's words, be no backbiter or slander, join in condemning no one unheard or rashly, but that on pain of God's heavy wrath, I avoid all lying and deceit as the very works of the devil, and that in matters of judgment and justice and in all other affairs I love speak honestly and confess the truth, also in so far as I can depend and promote my neighbor's good name. The idea of bearing false witness is important because it speaks of the sanctity of truth. Jesus is the truth. If we are to be his disciples, we must speak truth. We must use our words to build each other up and to also proclaim the gospel, which we will talk about in just a moment. In a culture like ours, where lying is such a common practice, we really have much to learn about what it means to not bear false witness. In the Old Testament, there were consequences for those who bore false witness. Proverbs 19, 5 and 9 says, A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who speaks lies will not escape. A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who speaks lies shall perish. Our words bear witness to the truth. That is why Christ said in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 and 2, Judge not, that you not be judged. For with the judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. The idea here, of course, has to do with condemnation through our words. And this condemnation will lead to, will lead to unforgiveness, to strife in relationships. That is why Christ, in the same manner, in Luke chapter 6, verse 37, says that we are to forgive so that we will be forgiven. And a deeper truth found in Scripture is important for us to be reminded of. The father of lies is the devil. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So truth is in Christ. As a matter of fact, he says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Who sets us free? Well, of course, Christ does. 
However, we are in bondage to the enemy when we speak falsely and when untruth comes out of our mouths. The devil is the father of lies. And according to John chapter 8, 44, here's what it says. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. So lies are the antithesis of the truth. Lies are the antithesis to God. Lies are the antithesis to Christ himself. That's why Proverbs 12, 22 says, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are his delight. Are your words truthful? Do you speak truth more often than you speak lies? Of course, we must remind ourselves that the ninth commandment speaks of bearing false witness against our neighbor. But what about lying for our neighbors? Where do we stand on that? I am reminded of stories from Nazi Germany where some folks lied about having Jews in their basement when the Nazis knocked on their door to preserve life. In that case, lying, quote unquote, was warranted because the sanctity of life and the preservation of life in that case was more important than telling someone who meant harm towards someone else to have information that would actually lead to their death or perhaps their arrest. So in light of that, let me offer you some thoughts from Dr. David Jones. He says this, These seemingly conflicting examples of the ethics of truth-telling invite the question, what then is a lie? In looking more closely at the Ninth Commandment, it should be noted that this moral law does not say always tell the truth or never say anything untrue. Rather, using the example of courtroom perjury, the Ninth Commandment prohibits malicious non-truth telling, that is, purposefully jeopardizing truth with the intent of personal benefit or injury to others. So again, the Ninth Commandment has to do with us caring for each other. It stands against ill-intended non-truth telling that is sinful. Our words indeed have power. James perhaps offers us the most clear idea of the tongue. Now again, in James chapter 1, verse 19 through 21, it says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. A few verses later, in verse 26 of chapter 1 of James, he says, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Fast forward a couple of chapters, he speaks of the tongue in very powerful language and imagery. Let me read it to you as a reminder. He says, verse 1 of James chapter 3, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to also bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, They are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also, the tongue is a smaller member, yet it boasts of great 
things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed, has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. These words, by now you can notice, really speak about the power of the tongue, how such a small member of our body can be used for such great wickedness. But we must follow the example of Christ. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 and 23, listen to these verses. For this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. Who when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. And Paul's words to the Ephesians are pertinent here for our discussion, because he says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as it is good for the building up of others, as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And then he says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander, again, our words, be put away from you along with all malice. And in a few verses after that, he says in chapter 5, verse 4, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. My point, we must use our words wisely. We must speak the truth, getting rid of all filthy language. The reminder for us is that we must be careful with the way we joke and talk to others, speak of others, and speak to others. Our words truly matter. We must speak the truth and the truth only. May our words be glorifying to the Lord, and may He give us grace to accomplish the same. Well, folks, that's it for this episode of the Preacher's Devo podcast. I am your host, Daniel Messina. And until our next podcast, stay encouraged, encourage others, and keep growing in Christ. Feel free to share this podcast with your friends and family and to subscribe. See you next time. God bless.